This morning in the Atlanta airport, no one's missing a meal on Mac Wilburn's watch. With 11 restaurants to serve passengers, he's got dining for every destination. And it all started when Mac talked with First Horizon Bank about opening a franchise in the airport. Now it's open for business and cleared for takeoff. First Horizon Bank, let's find a way. Go to firsthorizon.com slash Mac. First Horizon Bank, member FDIC. It's early Sunday morning. The sun is coming up. I'm on the tee at seven. I'm here to try my luck. They say this game's a tough one, but I'll give it my best shot. Though the bunkers look like beaches and the greens like parking lots. Oh, Lord. Big match coming up, fellas. Gonna be me and the caddy. What am I gonna do? Why don't you try him a little left? And why don't you try back up? Yeah. Give me just a little room. Help me keep my head down. Save me from those double bogey blues. Golf requires goofy pants and a fat ass. You know, you don't deserve any credit hitting the ball with that swing of yours. Try to hit one with my swing. I'm catching on the ball, right? Moving my head. I'm laying it off. Well, that too. I'm pronating. When you're not suiting me, I'm clearing too early. I'm clearing too late. My God, my swing fell by the unfolded lawn chair. Step right up, folks. See if you can outdrive the amazing golf ball uh, whacker guy. Help me keep my head down. It looks like I'm a wreck. It's in the hole! Save me from those double bogey blues. Gunga Galunga. Gunga Galunga means welcome to the home of the champions. It's the Golf Show on the fan, 680 and 93.7. Alongside Ollie Dean, I am Derek Thomas, not the voice of your normal host you hear, Brian Katrick. He's actually out on assignment, but we have a special guest coming up. we got a lot to get to today. USGA, RNA. Doing all sorts of things, change rules. Bryson might not like some of these things, but other folks will for uh, monetary reasons. We got all sorts of uh, PGA, a drama with the PGL, et cetera. And uh, as we talked about, we're the home of the champions. But believe it or not, we're not talking about the Braves. We're talking about our first guest. You know him well. He's the host of this program. His name is Brian Katrick. Brian, how are you? Well, I'm the best there is, Derek. Uh, how You're are you? the best. Hoorah! <laughs> Did uh, did Ollie make it this morning? Yeah, sorry, yeah. I wanted to run to our guests. I okay. said Ollie Dean. I had I know we got okay. all sorts of things. Ollie Dean's here. I was stuck in traffic. Right. Derek wasn't sure if he was going to make it on time. So know. he just he just ran with the open without me. And... The the last when I left town, the last time I saw the battery, it was somewhat congested, <laughs> and that was Friday for the championship parade. So uh, getting lost in traffic could uh, could absolutely happen. Well, speaking of traffic. Um, you waded yourself through quite a bit of traffic to capture the inaugural Georgia Putting Championship. Congratulations. Well, you know, I don't want to make it all about me. Um, But in this case, it really is. Yeah, I mean, in this case, it is. There's nothing I can do about it. I mean, all those other chumps showed up, and I beat them all. So uh, they they can wait till they win to talk about themselves. But they didn't win. I won. Uh, No. And you are bar none the greatest putter in Georgia. Uh, there's no question. I mean, that's that's what that means. It's the Georgia Putting Championship, and I won it. So that makes me the greatest putter in the state. And, uh, I mean, that's the way I choose to look at it. <laughs> We're having a lot of fun with it. We're kidding around. But there was the Georgia Putting Championship. It was a blast. It was every bit as much fun as I thought it was going to be. Uh, the uh, Georgia PGA and the GSGA, the Georgia State Golf Association, got together, put this tournament on. We did the show there last Sunday. 
you heard all about it. It was a great partnership. It was a great idea because anybody could have been in it. I saw Jay Baker there with his son, uh, JJ, who's five, and he was in it. That was his alternate shot partner. Uh, my partner was my son, who's 19, slightly taller than uh, than little Jay. But uh, I heard you guys there, did there well were, in that division as well. Uh, we we lost by three to Scott Geary, who was a guest uh, on the program. Scott and his partner won the whole thing. John Cooley, they won it. So they uh, and and we're playing with them, and we're you know we're kind of hanging in there. We lose by three to them. We're wondering what what's that going to mean, and uh, and it turns out that we lost by three. That's what it means. So. Uh, but it was all right, and uh, unfortunately, Henry had a, a plane to catch and couldn't enter the individual, which is what he really wanted to do. But uh, to go out there and do that, if you haven't been to the Dan Yates putting course, uh, then you are you are missing it. You really need to uh, you really need to check it out. It is something for everybody. It's a real easy, quick round of golf if you want it to be. It's a fun round. It can be. Uh, it can be. Uh, you know, it can it can be a, the source of gambling if you'd like it to be. It can, uh, you know, it can obviously host a championship also. Gambling is and illegal it, at Bushwood, sir. To get the trophy from, uh, to get the trophy from Dan, Danny Yates himself. That's what I didn't expect. So I put up a number. We're waiting to see if it's good enough. And uh, and and I'm standing there, and there's Danny Yates who shows up. Who's who's the putting green is named after his father. It's in his father's honor. Uh, Danny's there and we're talking for about 30 minutes. And I asked, finally asked him, I said, what, what are you doing? You know, why are you here? Did you just come to watch? He said, well, they asked me to hand out the trophy <laughs> and then come to find out as they go to set up the tables in the middle of the green at the end of it, uh, you know, Scott Geary calls and Matt Vanderpool, they call Danny up cause he's got to give the trophy. And Scott kind of looks at me and he goes, you're going to want to come too." <laughs> <laughs> that's when oh, that's i found great. out that i had one the, the begrudging <laughs> congratulations i love it there's nothing better yeah, than that in the world you're gonna want to come to <laughs> well you touched on knew. it you touched on the different categories i thought that was the greatest thing as i as i kind of watched before i left after our broadcast out there you know you had the the team competition you had a mixed doubles competition our, our good friend jim camus was able to win that with his partner there was something for everyone, so you know it certainly was a serious competition, the first joint competition between the GSGA and the Georgia PGA, but certainly fun was number one on the list is, is kind of how I took it. I totally agree. I mean, we needed to get you in it. Yeah, Jim's partner, Madison Barnett, uh, works out at Dogwood. She's, a, she's an aspiring professional golfer. She's great. She's been working with uh, Scott Hamilton up there in Cartersville and Billy Mitchell, uh, on the fitness side of things and uh, the mental side of things, and she's she's just a great player. They they actually put up a score in the mixed team division that was better than what won the team division. So uh, they were they were doing that an alternate shot. Uh, they I only beat them individually by three, and I had seen the course before. It was a big advantage to have gone through and have hit the shots one time because uh, I did it, you know, in the team competition, even though I only hit half the shots, but still. To, to have seen it was a big deal, and they didn't have that advantage. So by the time I got out there individually, I had seen it. Uh, but, of course, if you're saying, well, well, now that's that's too much of an advantage, well, the, ch- the charm of the Dan Yates putting course is that they're going to change it. You can move; They move the holes every other day, and they move the, hole, the tees every other day. So it's a different course every day you go play it. 
next year's Georgia Putting Championship is going to be completely different than this year's, and I cannot wait. And as the defending champion, you know, I mean, all of my obligations. <laughs> Have you thought about the champions' dinner? You know, you sitting by yourself. What are, what are you, what are you gonna What are you gonna order from from Arby's? Yes, yes, I did go get the uh, the boneless wings from from Arby's. That was a uh, that was a big that was a big part of my celebration. And uh, I know Brian Conley and the folks over there, Bobby Jones. I, I'm expecting them to be in touch any day now to plan the champions' dinner. Well. You know, you eating by yourself since you're the only champion should be an interesting thing to, to participate in. <laughs> Nobody, nobody's going to complain happened. about the menu or anything like that. So. Oh. Matter of fact, I've, I've had a lot of champions dinners, when <laughs> <laughs> you put it that way. <laughs> All right, well, you're not with us today. You're doing uh, some important work. Um, Q School, correct? Yes, yes. Down here, uh, the Corn Ferry Tour Q School, which is actually in Savannah. We're putting it on... Uh, We'll put on an NBC Sports Gold. Um, it's going to be on GolfChannel.com. It's going to be on PGATour.com. It's part of PGA Tour Live. So we're doing that today and tomorrow. And uh, we would have done it just today, but they didn't play yesterday. So the weather was so bad down here. They, they wiped out the third round. So we're going to play the third round today. We're going to play the final round tomorrow. And this is where guys are playing for their jobs. So it's, it's high drama. You know, the, the bottom half of this field is going to walk out of here with no starts for next year, just conditional status, and that's a that's a rough life. It, the expense it costs them just as much to travel the country as it costs the guys on the PGA Tour, and they're not playing for that much money, and they're not getting to play that often. So, really important for these guys to get up inside that top 40, get themselves guaranteed starts for the beginning of next year, and give themselves a chance to play for their careers. So. You know, it gets a little bit depressing, but uh, I was just about to ask: Do drama. you do you feel this more than a lot of other events? Just as a, as a commentator, I mean, does this make you nervous? Because it, as you said, just such high stakes on just a few shots. Oh yeah, it will absolutely, Derek. It's it's going to be a bigger deal tomorrow when when you know, even though it's four rounds and it's the end of three stages, uh, all the shots everywhere have all counted the same, but they're going to feel heavier tomorrow and. Uh, you know, got a couple guys that I'm working with that have been through it. Uh, we got a uh, we had a great crew: Doug Smith and Andre Gonzalez, James Nitties, and Gary Christian. These guys have been through this before, so uh, you know we're gonna we're gonna all sit there and watch together. And everybody can't get through, but hopefully there's no disaster stories out there. Now, but there will be. Now the top forty gets status. Is there a flighted status to to Q School on the Corn Ferry Tour now? Yeah, number one is uh, is fully exempt, gets in everything, and that's that's awesome. That's the whole year. Two through ten get the first twelve events fully exempt, and then uh, and then eleven through forty get get the next get the first eight events. After that, they have a reshuffle. So they'll have a reshuffle after eight. They'll have a reshuffle after twelve. And then it's how you've done in those starts. But there may be some guys that are outside the top 40 that only got two starts. So there's a whole lot of pressure on them to put up a couple of top 10s, whereas the guy that got eight starts or the guy that got you know eight out of eight, he had a lot more opportunity to make more money than the guy that only got two. So you can get all eight or you can get all 12 if you play well here this week in Savannah. Can we watch this on TV? NBC Sports Gold. PGA Tour Live, um, it's it's going to be out there. And where will we find you? So, 
you will find me. You will hear me. You won't see me. Oh, okay. which is, well, I mean, you're going to see me for like three minutes, but that's more than enough. Better for everybody. Uh, and they are playing stuff in my ear right now. So that means I've got to go in there. We start at 930. So uh, we got to get in there and push some flashing buttons and, and talk about some golf. Well, Mr. Catry, congratulations on your Georgia putting championship. I'm sure you will have a great broadcast of Q School and, uh, and give it the drama that it deserves. So well done, my friend. Thank you. I'm the best there is. Let's, I just want that to be the great takeaway. In, in the state from, of Georgia. Uh, I mean, let's not get the, crazy. Hey, I don't know of any other states that are having this. So as far so as right now the in, the world. In, the, in the universe, for all we know, they're, <laughs> yeah. they're not having putting yeah. competitions on Mars. So, <laughs> Not that I've been invited to. Well done. <laughs> Brian Katrick, yeah, guys. go go, uh, go take care of business. We appreciate it uh, taking the time to join us. Uh, our normal host, world, or excuse me, no, golf, Georgia champion. And again, if we're not, I'm, I haven't heard about putting competitions in Japan, so... As of right now, let's just assume he's, we'll assume he's no, we're assuming the BK is the world putting champion now, but the Georgia putting champion, that's cool. Yeah, it was a trophy and it was a very cool event. Um, Yeah. And uh, unlike the CJ cup, they actually gave away a cup, which I thought was great. Um, but wow, uh, that's but, a tremendous looking trophy, but it was a great event. Um, a lot of fun. Um, I had not seen the, the Yates putting course before. And it certainly reminded me of, um, you know, the punch bowl out at Bandon Dunes, um, what I've heard about the Himalayas at St. Andrews. So it was a very cool venue. Um, Everybody seemed to have a blast. Sounds like one of the most fun parts is if you've seen it once, you can go back and see a a completely different layout the next time based on the way it's uh, designed. Yeah, I think the most fun part was they had cup holders on every tee. There you go. So I think that that's probably the most fun part. They know what we're doing. Um, Yeah. Yeah. Certainly good planning as far as that goes. But but we'll have to, you know, we give we give our friend Brian his due and, and we forgive his hangover because I think all of Atlanta right now is in a championship hangover. Yeah, Brian's not the only champion. Yeah, I'm looking out the window here from our palatial studio here, then the battery. And the I'm, calm after the storm. All of the Braves paraphernalia out there. What an amazing championship run by the Atlanta Braves. I could not believe. And, I, and I'm a Braves fan. I was excited for this. And I knew there would be tons of people around. I, I'm not exaggerating. I could not believe how many people just were here in the battery. And not it, the fact that there were probably 100,000 people here in the battery, tens of thousands of people inside Truist Park. And then they're lined all the way down Cobb Parkway, three, four, five, six, eight deep at points. Uh, friends of mine were downtown and midtown. It was a citywide celebration. And again, I knew there would be a lot of folks that would be excited about this. But I didn't expect uh, this turnout, and we had people coming from out of town. People weren't missing this, Ollie. You missed out, but uh, yeah, what, I, what I a great day for Braves country. Well, yeah, and the first championship for the Braves since 1995. Um, that is correct. First World Series appearance since 1999. I think the city and the Braves fans, certainly across the entire country and, and mainly here in the southeast, were starved for a championship. And uh, congratulations to the Braves, their entire organization, for – for bringing a championship to Truist Park. I would have loved to have seen them close it out here at home, but uh, yeah. but it was kind of poetic justice to see them close it out in front of the Houston It was crowd. fun to watch them in front of those Houston fans uh, crying in their little orange towels. So, yeah. yeah, it would have been beautiful to see it here. It, nobody's closed the World Series at home since 2013. So yeah, that's, I didn't realize that. That's like becoming a thing. Uh, either way, who cares? They won, and I'm so glad we did not have to sit through Game 7 on Wednesday night. That so, would have been stressful. God bless the Braves. 
Uh, yeah, that certainly would have been stressful. Um, certainly, the Braves had the advantage in Game Six. Um, sure, yeah. you know, starting pitcher because Freed was amazing, <gasps> and you know, the rotation for the Astros was certainly in shambles. You had to feel like if you got to them early that that we had a really good chance to close out that game. I feel but, like that happened in both the NLCS and the World Series, where it, and all through the year we weren't sure about the Braves' starting pitcher. They were up and down. You know, Charlie was one of the the only guys that was really consistent through the whole year. And then it turns out the Braves are the ones with the aces. And the Bra- uh, Snit did such a great job managing the pitching staff throughout of where, again, like I said, the, the Dodgers had, were running on fumes at the end, just as the, as the Astros seemed to be. So you can't say enough about the pitching staff, specifically the bullpen. We could talk about that for hours. but Yes, we could. We have other things to get to, Ollie. Are we going to talk about the Georgia Bulldogs? I mean, we can. They Number won. One in the country. They didn't cover. I think people are upset about that. What was it, 43-6? to six? Um, and they didn't play well, Ollie. From from the players, from Kirby Smart, from me, I watched the game compared to what they compared to what they are. They won forty three to six against an SEC team. And Coach Smart, if you want to, Atlanta's official NFL pregame show is coming up next. A lot of NFL talk, but a lot of college talk. We'll talk about. Uh, I say we. Nick Cellini, Steve West, David Holloway will be here helping us out. Uh, obviously, a lot of college uh, talk coming. Uh, as Tech, heck of a game for Tech. Yeah, I actually watched some of that game. God. I thought they were going to pull it off against they, Miami. They dropped it late against, uh, yeah, against the Hurricanes down in Miami, but plenty to talk about. But we, yeah, Ollie, you're getting me all off track. We could talk about football for hours and hours, and then we still got plenty of Braves talk. But, but this is the golf this show. This is the golf show, and there's plenty to talk about in the world of golf. Uh, USGA, RNA, changing rules. PGA Tour, changing rules. As I mentioned, uh, some folks might like these rules. Some folks, uh, some amateur folks, and I'm not necessarily talking about me, but uh, other folks might like not might not like some of these other rules. Specifically, Bryson. I'm thinking one of these rules is really going to bother our good friend Bryson. Um, well, that's but, a good tease because I have no idea what you're talking. Oh, about. I have. Uh, oh, yes, he's dependent, Ollie, and that his his crutch is going away. If you don't know what we're talking about, we got plenty to. Plenty to talk about, but coming up next, we have, uh, yeah, speaking of rules and competitions, he'll have, probably have some, some insight on what we're talking about. The director of rules and competitions of the GSGA, Mr. Richard Adams, will join us next on the golf show on the home of the world champion Atlanta Braves. You're listening to The Fan, 680, 93.7 FM. Welcome back to The Golf Show, your Sunday morning tea time with Brian Katrick and Ali Dean. This is Atlanta's golf station, The Fan. Music reminds me of, like, fits in the tantrums for some reason. I love this music. Welcome back to the Golf Show. On the home of the champions. World champion Atlanta Braves. Alongside Ollie Dean, I'm Derek Thomas. Ollie, we got a special guest. We do. I'm excited to talk to him. Yeah. He is the director of rules and competitions at the GSGA. His name is Mr. Richard Adams, and we have a lot of things to talk about. And Mr. Adams, welcome to the program. Thanks for joining us. Yeah, thanks for having me, guys. and excited to be here. Well, we've had a number of uh, rule changes, but first and foremost, I don't want to jump right into it. Again, thanks for for, uh, <laughs> for joining us. But um, I guess this was something I was talking with Ollie about. How I don't even I, I don't want to leave our audience because we have so much uh, that they might not realize what we're talking about. When the USGA makes rules and things like that, what does the GSGA have to do with it? And uh, are you simply 
listening and, and doing what they say, how much input does the GSGA? I know it's not a whole lot. Just tell me how that works between the jurisdiction of the USGA to the GSGA, I guess. Oh, did we lose him? Mr. Adams? I think we lost him. Uh-oh. We may have lost Mr. Adams. I will reconnect with Mr. Adams. Ollie? Yeah, well, while you reconnect, I'll, I'll answer for Richard, and then he can tell me that I was wrong when he gets back on. Um, so the USGA and the RNA are the governing body of the rules of golf. Um, state golf associations implement those rules of golf. Um, so they are more of the, the guardians of the rules as opposed to the, the creators of the rules. Um, and obviously there were a lot of rule changes that happened in uh, 2019 that are going to take effect at the first of the year. Um, there are some specific rules that we're going to talk about today that will it affect um, amateur golfers and amateur status. Um, and Richard has been kind enough to, to join us and, and kind of have a discussion about those rules. So we're looking forward to that. And I think we've got him back. Richard, are you back? Richard, are you with us? Can you hear me? Yes, live radio. I love it when it works. <laughs> so I answered Derek's question for you, and uh, you can tell me if I did it wrong, which is the USGA and the RNA kind of create the rules and, and work with other organizing bodies to to define the rules of golf. The GSGA is is an implementer of those rules and, and also kind of a clearinghouse for any questions that people have on a local level of, of the rules and how they should be enforced. Is that a, is that a fair assessment? Yeah, that's exactly right. And and further, when there are changes that happened two years ago and now that are changes that are going to into effect for amateur status, we also, it's kind of our job as an allied golf association to get the word out to our members. And, and every state, their allied golf association is supposed to help in that process. Perfect. And in 2019, as you mentioned a couple of years ago, there was an overhaul, a simplification, if you will, of the rules of golf. Mm-hmm. Um, and those changes are going to go into effect January 1st, 2022, correct? Yeah, so this, as as a lot of people listening probably know, the the just the general rules of golf got a pretty big overhaul that went into effect uh, in t- uh, January one of nineteen. So, what we're uh, what is going to affect on January one of next year are is kind of a similar process of modernization and simplification of the rules of amateur status, and those are not as talked about. Obviously, when you watch pro golf, everybody on that tour is a professional, but this affects, you know, golfers across the country as, as most golfers are amateurs. So it kind of further defines and simplifies who is a professional and, and who's an amateur. Yeah, and, and a professional golfer um, under the new rules, and, and once again, you're here to correct us and, and educate us, but if you're a member of a professional golf association, if you're a professional at a, at a golf course or a driving range, you know, there, there really is no change to the rules. You're a professional. You'll be a professional moving forward. But where the intricacies come in is is from a true amateur standing, what you can get from a prize money standpoint, as well as, you know, the, the term that's gone around all of, of kind of co- college sports from an amateur standpoint is name, image, and likeness. Those are the main changes we're going to talk about today, correct? He does not have a very good signal, I don't believe, Ollie. Let me... Let me check back with Mr. Adams. The beauty, right. the beauty of live radio. Well, but Derek is getting him back point, on the phone. Yeah, continue. Go ahead. Um, yeah, the, everybody's familiar with the rules. Flag stays in. Those things went into effect in 2019. How you drop the ball went into effect in 2019. Um, 
2022, as Richard described, we'll, we'll discuss kind of where you stand as an amateur versus professional. Um, for your local PGA Pro at your local golf course, that's not going to change. There's, there's not going to be any ambiguity for him to, to be able to go back and, and suddenly become an amateur again. Um, those will be professionals. But your college golfers, your high school golfers, um, the prize money that they're able to, to kind of gain while competing – as well as um, you know, using their name and likeness to to generate revenue for themselves. Richard, are you back? I believe Mr. Adams is back. He probably missed some of that. So third time's a charm. But yeah, I caught the beginning of what you were saying. Is what is your right? Is the it, a lot of who's a professional hasn't changed. There's a little bit of of a change to what the prize limit can be to remain an amateur. Uh, and some other things like that, but generally, if you if you're a if you're on a professional tour or work at, at a golf course as a professional golfer, um, those those people are obviously still going to not going to be amateur golfers. All right, well, let's talk about the cash. We care about the cash on this show. Yeah, I heard I can win up to two hundred and fifty dollars now. Is that correct? Or up? It's been up to up to a thousand. Is that correct? That's exactly right. So one thing to remember: this goes into effect January one. So. Don't expect to happen in your in your events for the next couple months, but uh, starting on January one, uh, amateurs that are playing in, in scratch competitions, so that's something where there's no uh, handicap element. Uh, you can now, uh, and this is the case for both net and gross. Uh, you can win up to a thousand dollars, which used to be seven hundred fifty, but also in scratch competitions, you can you can win cash prizes as opposed to you know golf shop credit or a gift card or, or a driver or something like that. So no, you cannot win cash, Derek. Sorry. If I, I mean, if I if I improve, we don't have that much time. Um, now this does not affect like long drive competitions and things like that. Yeah. So this it's a scratch competition where you basically start from a tee and finish in a hole. So if a, a you know like your like your friend Brian in a putting competition or a long drive contest or something like that that's not part of a of a stroke play competition those that that prize can be anything anything else. It could be more money, and you still it doesn't affect your amateur status. Now, I had a friend in college um, who I believe played golf for the University of Alabama, and he entered one of those hole in one contests for a million dollars, and actually yeah. made the shot. Um, wow! And he was forced to resign his amateur status and turn pro relatively a lot earlier than he wanted to. Would would these sure. changes affect him at all, or is a hole-in-one contest considered a tee-to-green competition? Yeah, that would be um, – I guess there's a a difference between – and, and hole-in-one prizes kind of – as long as they're not part of a of an actual competition. So, you know, if sometimes you're playing in one of those scrambles, and, and if basically if the stroke is counting in your competition – uh, then it's not going to be allowed to base. You can accept the prize, but you're not going to be an amateur anymore. But if it's kind of a separate thing, uh, then that's going to be okay. But um, really, the, one of the points to this change is um, obviously there's more of these type of things that are popping up. But also, I, I didn't mention this in the beginning, but other than to make the rules easier to understand, but just to make the um, is it the, obviously players in these playing these elite level. Uh, amateur events, uh, these changes were to help them kind of recoup some of their expenses. Whereas, you know, before they couldn't win cash, they they had to win. You know, we give out pro shop credit in our events, 
we're probably going to continue to do that. But a lot of, you know, when you're traveling across the country as an amateur, it can get pretty expensive. So hopefully by doing this, uh, it'll help some of these players uh, recoup some of their expenses, their travel expenses and things like that. So it seems in a lot of ways that the USGA and the RNA are just trying to step back, maybe not to say they were in the way, but maybe just get out of the way, simplify things for people so we don't have all these amateurs saying, can I do this? Can I take this? Am I, I you know, obviously there were not a lot of endorsements allowed. It just it just simplifies things for these. And again, these these we call amateurs. We're talking about aspiring pros here. Sure. Yeah, that's that's exactly right. So that was another thing. Like you said it best is it is simplifying. Uh, there are fewer rules than there used to be or there will be in, on January 1st. And, and you kind of touched on it a little bit, too. I, I don't know. They started this process of refining the amateur status rules in 2017. I don't think they had the the name, image, and likeness rules as they are now, but that was obviously sped up a little bit by the NCAA's decision. But, again, um, it, it, the NCAA is allowing their athletes to benefit from their name, image, and likeness. So if you're, But if you were, if you were a gol- an amateur golfer that wasn't in college, uh, it wasn't really – you were kind of fighting an uphill battle, whereas these the college players were able to make some money based off of their name, whereas, a, you know, a, a junior golfer or a mid-am or a senior wasn't able to until until now going forward on January 1st. So I think that's a um, – it makes sense. It's obviously quite a bit different from, you know, Bobby Jones and people in way back in time. They would they would be surprised at some of these changes. But I think, like you said, it's 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 different and it's kind of making the, the – it's letting the players – um, it's a different game than it was back then. So I think these are these are changes that are going to be well-received. Yeah, speaking of Bobby Jones, um, when I saw these rule changes come out from a name, image, and likeness standpoint, I was reminded of a story, and you probably know it better than I do, where Bobby Jones actually had to give up his amateur standing because a club company used his name, on, I think it was Spalding, on a set of clubs. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. So under the current rules of golf, if you had someone of Bobby Jones's stature, and I know there are no amateurs in the world today of Bobby Jones's stature, but how far does the name, image, and likeness allow you to go? I mean, could you actually, you know, put your name on a set of golf clubs? Yeah, it, there really are no restrictions anymore. So, uh, and this is obviously partly sped up too by how how big social media is now and how players can sort of brand themselves. So. Uh, if it came to that or, you know, if they wanted to be sponsored by really any company uh, based on their reputation, um, and that's going to be okay, and there's no limit to how much money they can receive. So um, it, it kind of blurs the lines a little bit as far as that goes from amateur per, to professional. But as far as the really the distinction is competing in competitions, that's where that prize money limit is going to be cast, whereas obviously if you're competing on the PGA Tour – uh, the more money, the better. Yeah. So, from a prize money standpoint, you're limited to a thousand dollars. But from a, a name, image, and likeness, you know, utilizing your notoriety as a as a great golfer, whether it be you know a like junior Lucy or, Lee, the, a or few a years ago when she's endorsing the Apple Watch, there's no reason to 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 penalize her for that. No, that's exactly right. And that was a that was a tricky situation that they found themselves in on something that I don't think the rules really contemplated at that time. So with all that potential, and it was getting very hard to uh, administer uh, there. And again, I don't think that, you know, amateur golfers, except for, you know, somebody like a prodigy like Lucy Lee or if another Tiger Woods came along, I don't think it's going to be like football players and basketball players, but it all, it does give them the option 
to to make a little money and help because as like I said before the you know these players that are traveling the country and sometimes the world that also was pretty unusual when these rules were were written so it's it's getting much more common now and allows them to sort of compete on a more even playing field. Yeah, the definite the definition or the way we perceive quote amateurs is a lot different than than it was uh say 100 years ago. Again, we're talking Oh yeah. Yeah, Absolutely. those guys were we're proud of their amateur status, whereas, again, we're talking about mostly aspiring pros here. So it's good That's to hear. Right. I think it's a win-win for, for almost all in part, parties involved. You know, let these young people take advantage of, of, of their success, even if they're not professionals yet. That's right. So, and, and one other thing I didn't mention please. is that you, and we have a lot of players that have done this, have tried to, tried to or turn professional, hadn't worked out, and they're reinstated amateurs. That process will still exist. So if somebody – tries to turn or turns pro doesn't work out for whatever reason there's still going to be some some amount of a waiting period if they want to become an amateur golfer again but um it, it may be six months it may be a year it kind of depends on how much money and success they had but that's still an option to players as well going forward let me ask you this richard from a name image and likeness mm-hmm. standpoint on the changes of these rules how much of that was driven internally by the usga and how much of it was a reaction to, to what was going on on the ncaa format uh, that's a good question, and I'm I'm kind of speculating here. I don't know how all those conversations went, but I think it's probably a little bit of both. I think it was um, sped up a little bit by how quickly the NCAA um, made that decision. I, but like I said too, I, I know uh, when they they've been you know they don't do any they don't do anything without the USGA and the RNA don't do anything without talking about it a lot and and, and getting a lot of feedback from different people. So I think that they knew it was coming eventually. So. Um, it, it, I, a short answer is there's probably a little bit of both that they they were looking at it for situations like you met, mentioned before with Lucy Lee and, and others, um, but also it got it got sped up a little. And another reason why they're getting it out there before January 1st so people can adjust to it. No, it makes perfect sense, Richard. We can't thank you enough for coming on and and educating us on the changes to the the rules of amateur standing and what you're allowed to do in the world of amateur golf. Um, as a director of rules and competitions, are there any competitions coming up for the GSGA? There are, actually. we, uh, Me and a couple other staff members head down to Statesboro tomorrow. We've got our senior four ball coming up uh, at the end of the week. And then uh, just a couple more. The a big one that we started a couple years ago is our Tournament of Champions. Uh, unfortunately, entries have closed, but we'll keep doing it's, it's been a really cool event. It's going to be at TPC Sugarloaf next week. And it's basically if you're a men's, women's, senior men's or senior women's club champion at a member club here in Georgia, uh, you're able, you're eligible to compete. So that's called our tournament of champions. And that's, that's one that we started a couple years ago. That's, that's really taken off. Well, great. Um, good luck with those two events. We thank you so much for everything that the GSGA does to promote the game of golf that we love um, here in the Georgia market. And thank you from the bottom of our hearts from uh, coming on the radio and talking to us about the rules of golf. Of course, happy to, and looking forward to doing it again, maybe with a fewer phone issues next time. All good. Thank you, Richard. We appreciate it. Richard Adams, the uh, the Director of Rules and Competition for the GSGA, and it, it's just great to see them, uh, not the GSGA in particular, but just the governing bodies getting out of the way for these, for these again, we say amateurs, we're talking about aspiring pros, we're talking about uh, 18, 19, 22-year-olds that... Uh, it, it's tough. It's well, really, really. You're also talking about mid amps, um, and sure, there are a lot of 
mid-amateur players that, that travel to a lot of tournaments. And I think the most compelling thing was the fact that it is expensive to go to these tournaments. It's expensive to compete. So to give some relief to these amateur players, um, just in what their expenses were, um, you know, incurred while they travel. I, I think it's great for the game of golf. And and to your point, I, I don't think you're going to have a Bobby Jones again that's going to have their name on a club. I think it's an interesting story that Bobby would not have to rescind his amateur standing um, today as he did back in the day. Uh, but good for the USGA and the RNA and, uh, and good for the game of golf. I think this will promote, you know, more opportunities for people to go and play in amateur tournaments um, and, uh, and compete at the highest level of that, that level of the game. Well, Ollie, we've still got a lot to cover. We talked about the amateur status. We'll talk, how about the, uh, the elite of the elite uh, in the game of golf? Some changes could be coming. We've been talking about possible changes, but things seem to be heating up with Greg Norman and others. Uh, some talk about green reading books. We'll discuss that. We've got a lot to get to here on the golf show on the home of the world champion Braves. You're listening to the fans, 680. 93.7 FM. Two of Atlanta's best golf experts right here on Atlanta's Golf Station. Now more of the Golf Show with Brian Katrick and Ali Dean on Atlanta's Sports Station. The Fan. Well, we've got one of Atlanta's great golf experts. That's Ali Dean. Our other golf expert, Brian Katrick, out on assignment. I'm merely Derek Thomas, as Chris Mooneyham will say. Uh, here, trying to fill in, but it never quite can for... Georgia putting champion Brian Katrick. He's uh, down at Q School, so uh, we were able to touch base with uh, Brian. But still a lot to a uh, lot to get to on the golf show. First, let's get to who's driving. Well, well, hold on, and oh, now hey, it's hold time on, for who's driving. Time for who's driving. Brought to you by Ray Judice. If you're facing DUI charges, you need a DUI lawyer who will step up to the tee for you. Call Ray Cell at 404-964-4185 to schedule an appointment. My bad, Ollie. we got to get Ray in. What's up? No, I was saying, do we need to change this to the who's putting in honor of Ryan Cager? <laughs> he was putting well. Yes, if it was who's putting. Segment. He, he must have been putting well. I'd love to see, I'd love to see some highlights from that, but yeah. Brian Girard, Brian Katrick, your well, just play around golf Georgia with him putting and you champion. Will hear every highlight. Oh, he'll be happy to tell you about it. Calls. I'm sure. Yeah. Well, I tell you who was driving the other day. I just thought about this. Uh, when was that part? Uh, that parade? That was Friday. I know who was driving the big yellow van. That's my man, Ice Cold Stu. Right in the middle of the parade, he was driving our big, beautiful 680 the fan van. But uh, in, speaking of golf driving, in the driver's seat on the PGA Tour, they're at the Worldwide Technology Championship at Mayacoba. And Riviera Maya, Mexico. Your leader and defending champion, Ollie, is that correct? I believe he is the defending champion. Victor Hovland? I did. Those Norwegians get extremely excited whenever uh, whenever Victor's at the top. We just and, love whenever Hovland's in the front. And Victor could have actually been a runner up for our who's driving, not to take anything away from, from Stu. Um, but did you hear the story about Victor Hovland's driver this week? I did not. Please. Oh, this is a great story. So, just any Norwegian I can play. He is on the range, and uh, Danny Lee um, is kind of going through the Bryson DeChambeau, trying to capture more speed with his driver. So everybody's kind of watching Danny Lee pummel drivers out on the driving range before the tournament started. And so uh, Victor Hovland throws him his club, as you want to do with your buddies on the driving range, and says, see how, you know, how much ball speed you can get with this driver. So Danny takes a swing. The driver shatters. Bad news is there's no backup for Victor Hovland. 
and his uh, manufacturer is not on site. So he has to borrow a driver, which had a, a little bit shorter shaft than what his normal um, spec driver was, and uh, went out, and I think he hit every fairway um, that he hit with the driver. I think he missed two, but he hit, like, three wood. So Victor Hovland is leading with a backup driver because uh, Danny Lee blew his driver up on the driving range. I didn't That's not a good friend. You said it was a friend, Ollie. That's yeah, a friend. You didn't do it on purpose. It's not like you put an idiot mark on the top of it. I've had friends do that when I got a new driver. And they're like, let me hit it. And then suddenly you've got a, a nice little scar on the top of your driver. So, Well, regardless, Victor's your shot, your leader by two shots at 19 under. Two yeah. ahead of Taylor Gooch. Yeah, uh, great leaderboard. Justin Thomas yeah. went deep yesterday with a 64. Um, he's Carlos just three, Ortiz, he's three back. Um, hometown or home country uh, competitor. He's a five back. Sergio's playing well. Scotty Scheffler's playing well. So, uh Great leaderboard of the Worldwide Technology Championship at Mayakoba. It is, uh, especially for this time of year. It's nice to see. So It is good to see. Now, you have teased that Bryson DeChambeau is suddenly beside himself. Did Brooks Kepka make another angry tweet? What, what, what are you talking no, about? No, this is just on Bryson. So one of the things that bothers, people about, uh, bothers some people about Bryson is his pace of play and the, the the young man takes all the information he can, and I'm not going to fault him for it. I, I, it's not the way I, I was taught. It's not the way a lot of people play, but I appreciate it. He is a cerebral player. He takes everything into account, the, the, the grass, the slope, the wind, the humidity. Everything goes into Bryson's preparation as he prepares a shot, especially on the greens. Bryson is uh, – I'll just say it from my point of view, Bryson is more dependent on green reading books than a lot of the other players. He, uh, we know because we know at certain places, uh, at, uh, at Augusta National, for instance, I believe, is that, is that where you're not allowed to have a green reading book? I believe that's the case. At some of the majors, you're not allowed to have a green reading book. Well, it's not that you're not allowed to have a green reading book. Um, Augusta National has simply never allowed anyone to come in and laser read their greens. So that's part of this. So anyways, moving forward, uh, along with these, with the, uh, the other rules that we've been talking about that will be in effect on January 1st, 2022, uh, also in effect at the beginning of the year. Basically, you can't have these green reading books that a lot of these guys have uh, – Long story short, you won't be able to have any green reading book that was made before January 1st, 2022. And it goes to you're not uh, less info allowed, just simply general info as it's written, quote, general info on slopes and other features. And you're not allowed to use the devices like you were talking about to uh, stent devices, I guess, to get to to get the, the role of the green, to get the speed of the green. Otherwise, it's simply. Uh, handwritten notes and observations that you get from walking around the course and you can use things that you see on the telecast. I think this is important because reading greens is a skill of golf. It's not just about being able to hit the ball well and put it where you want to. It's about learning, uh, seeing your surroundings because you've never hit this putt before uh, in this particular area and you have to use some green reading ability. So I think a lot of these guys, specifically Bryson and others are, are guilty of it as well, have become overly dependent on these green reading books. Ali, am I making a big deal out of this? Is this a big deal? Um, well, you certainly are making a big deal out yeah, of I it. Yeah, I am. Um, I don't know that I would agree with the comment that Bryson DeChambeau is dependent yeah, is. on these books. Okay, well, we can disagree. Okay. Um, I think Bryson 
uses every bit of information that's available to him. So if it's within the rules of golf, which it currently is, um, he is going to saturate himself with every possible piece of information that he is legally allowed to obtain. Um, I don't think he is going to be any worse off um, once the new rule goes into effect. It's an interesting rule. Um, the genesis of it is is intriguing to me. You touched on one of the elements, which is they want to bring back the, the skill of reading greens um, to the golfers and to the competition. I think pace of play is what they're trying to accomplish here. And, and I don't know that you're going to actually accomplish it. Um, if you look at... There are a variety of ways to read greens without just looking at your surroundings, kneeling down and trying to figure out which way it goes. Um, you know, you've got the the systems out there where you're you know you're putting up fingers and you're trying to figure out slope with your feet and and you're walking through the putt and you're looking at it from you know, a variety of different angles. I think golfers at that level are still going to try and acquire as much information as they possibly can. And there's another argument that the green reading books actually sped up play because all that information was readily available and they didn't have to ascertain as much of it physically on the green. They could just look at a book. So, so yeah, that's one of the reasons was to speed up play, Where, but uh, a, a certain unnamed caddy has said he thinks it'll end up being the exact opposite, that these guys are simply going to have to walk around their putt an extra time to get to get the feel of it. So. Yeah, whether it accomplished what what it's supposed to or not, where time will tell. Yeah, and and we talked about the lasering of the greens. So there's Laser. actually a company that comes out lasers the greens, and so then they can put slopes. I think as as small as like one or two percent into these green reading books. That company's upset with the new rule um, because they've made a nice little cottage That's industry out of uh, going out and investing in all these laser reading you know capabilities and then turning them into uh, into a book. Um, I, I think it'll be interesting to see how it plays out. I don't think it's going to speed up play. Um, I, I think it could have the opposite effect. I think you're going to try and get as much information as you can, and if you have to do it physically as opposed to reading a book, then then I think it's going to kind of defeat it's, the purpose. It's good to see golf evolving over the last, specifically over the last few years. We talked about the amateur status earlier. I, I think most people would agree. I mean, if a kid's really good and and Tylus wants to give him golf balls, let him give him golf balls. That's not that's not a big deal if they if, if they want to help out. It's it's good to see the USGA and the RNA getting or getting out of the way. Yeah, if you hit a putt from three feet from three feet and it hits the flag stick, it shouldn't be a penalty. They've made they've made these changes, and it, 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 is this green reading? Uh, we mentioned um, and modernizing the game. Now you can use these laser devices, uh, not on the greens, but the uh, most people call them a range finder. A laser device, you can tell your distance from the pin. Those weren't legal until this year. Uh, that hasn't really affected the game. Uh, it's, it, I'm curious to see if, if we even notice the green reading books. Yeah, uh, I, don't think, I don't think as a casual be observer like, of like, the game that like we're going to notice it. Um, you know, range finders were in use on the PGA Tour in practice rounds. Right. so you Just know, not during the round. Nothing really changed except during the rounds. And, and we, we've talked about that where what numbers are really important. Um I think it'll be interesting to see where golf goes. Name, image, and likeness, that will be the most interesting thing. Absolutely. Uh, we appreciate it. We got uh, Atlanta's official NFL pregame show coming up next on the Home of the Champs. You'll listen to Fan 680, 93.7 FM. Catch you next week. This morning in the Atlanta airport, no one's missing a meal on Mac Wilburn's watch. With 11 restaurants to serve passengers, he's got dining for every destination. 
and it all started when Mac talked with First Horizon Bank about opening a franchise in the airport. Now it's open for business and cleared for takeoff. First Horizon Bank, let's find a way. Go to firsthorizon.com slash Mac. First Horizon Bank, member FDIC. The fan is ready for brave season. Are you? 3-1 smoked high in the air, deep center field, and heading for the horizon. A home run by Olsen. We're streaming every game of the Braves 2024 season free on the 680 The Fan app. So make sure you download it now and don't miss a pitch of the Braves this season.